Welcome to For What It's Worth, a podcast from Raymond James, designed to help you plan, invest, and live smarter. Hi, listeners, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. You can find this episode and more For What It's Worth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In this episode, we're talking all about data privacy. As we integrate more and more technology into our daily lives, most of us are looking more critically at how our personal information is being used and shared. We're going to talk about smart speakers, website cookies, phone carriers, and of course, tips for keeping your financial information secure. I'm very pleased to introduce our featured guest, Rob Patchett, Raymond James Chief Privacy Officer. Rob, thank you so much for sitting down to speak with me today. Thanks, Paige. It's it's really great to be here and take this opportunity to spend some time talking through this uh, this vast subject and how it touches our daily life. So much appreciated. Can you get us started by telling us what data privacy is and how it's similar or different to data security? I will do my best, yes. Um, first of all, I'll say that we work very closely with our security partners uh, here at the firm. But we typically think of security as, as being that, that front line, that, that, that perimeter security for us. Um, and data, data privacy being more concerned with lawful collection and use of one's personal information. Um, and we're all, I think, probably slightly familiar with those privacy notices that we receive in envelopes or we see on websites, um, which generally uh, explain uh, the collection and use of data for a firm like Raymond James. Uh, and those are lawful requirements uh, to, to explain uh, at a fairly high level to do with one's information. But uh, again, separating the two functions, we have to work very closely. A lot of privacy laws and regulations call for um, specific security controls that uh, help to de-identify the data, protect the data, encrypt the data, uh, which makes it very hard to read uh, and, and for someone to use the data that shouldn't be using the data. So, uh, but uh, yeah, a very exciting time in this space. Uh, a lot of developments in the privacy arena, uh, which I look forward to updating you on. What level of responsibility do companies have when it comes to how they're collecting and using our data? And how much onus is on us as individuals to be aware of what we're sharing and what we're able not to share? Yeah, great question. I mean, it, it really is, it takes a village. It takes everybody to be involved here at a personal level. Our information uh, we must consider as uh, kind of our, uh, you know, utmost uh, uh, personally related credentials, if you will. Um, and we think about that not just from, you know, name, address, social security number, but also, uh, you know, things like thumbprints, uh, uh, retina uh, scans for those that have, you know, those sorts of devices. Um, so, so generally speaking, um, it's, 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 I think individually we have a responsibility to, again, be mindful of how we're sharing our information and how we're protecting it, not leaving it open for easy access. Uh, for somebody to gain from that. Um, so, so certainly, you know, from a corporation perspective, it is of our utmost importance that we, uh, again, we develop our privacy program to meet not just regulatory requirements, but really uphold the trust of our clients. Um, 
in, in a way that I think provides a level of transparency around what we're doing, but assurances that we, we are only using the data in, in, in a lawful and understood fashion. So again, I think it, I think it touches all parts of the organization. Um, our FAs uh, are, I think, viewed as very trusted partners to our, our clients. Um, uh, and, so, and so we certainly spend a lot of time thinking about training our FAs. I think they're certainly very integral to what we're doing. Our IT systems, our, our products, our applications are all uh, certainly areas that we look at as a, as a privacy function. You mentioned that this is an exciting and maybe transitional time in this space. How are the laws and regulations around data privacy changing right now? I would say rapidly. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's an incredible time. Uh, we have seen, I think, a transformation of laws and regulations proposed in the U.S. following really the suit from Europe that uh, has taken a bit of a lead on this under the General Data Protection Regulation or GDPR, as it's known, uh, which came into effect in 2018. So we've had. Um, uh, a lot of developments here in the U.S. Only a few state-level bills have passed, or laws have passed. California, I would call out uh, uh, as a, a GDPR-like uh, U.S. state regulation. Uh, and, and so that's, you know, uh, continues this year. I think we saw a bit of a slowdown with pandemic. Um, there was other, other priorities then. Um, but certainly also with pandemic-related uh, information collection and processing, that actually fueled quite a few state-level bills along as well. We've seen a federal bill, several federal bills proposed. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a catch-up. There's an interoperability issue with other countries uh, that we have to work through. Um, you're seeing Canada, you're seeing Latin America also develop GDPR-like laws and regulations. So it's a very exciting time. Uh, strategically, we're keeping up here, thinking about how this we have to build a more common and enterprise approach uh, for, for privacy of our clients, uh, the tools uh, uh, and the access to information that we need to make that uh, uh, client service friendly as well. So dynamic times, indeed. I'd like to ask you about a couple data privacy related situations that many of our listeners may have noticed, in, especially in recent months. It seems like now almost every website that you visit, especially if you're browsing on your phone, shows a pop-up asking you to accept cookies before you can continue exploring the site. What does that mean? And should we have any concerns about clicking yes, no problem? Yes, uh, good question. Uh, I think, um, you know, again, driven by regulation. Uh, but cookies are one of those things, they've been around for a long time. And there really hasn't been a lot of transparency around what a cookie does. Um, and it does a couple of things. It does, uh, it, it, it serves, I, I would say, equally to uh, enhance the uh, experience when visiting a website. So uh, collecting information on how we click through a website, um, ultimately to present more relevant information and a better experience. Uh, but also, um, perhaps where the uh, you know, cookies have, have, have claimed more of a bad rap. They, they are used by marketers to understand our preferences and our click-through areas uh, and, and ultimately also follow us around the internet to other sites. So when you see those pop-ups, I, I'd recommend having a read-through. They're, 
uh, you know, they're, they're put forward in quite simple terms uh, and spending some time thinking about um, uh, those, those types of preferences uh, for the use of cookies. Does it make a difference whether we use a private or an incognito browser tab instead of just a standard one? Good question. Yes, the incognito tabs have become very popular. Most all browsers have them now, but absolutely, uh, it does provide for a greater level of privacy. Um, essentially, it creates a separate session browser um, away from the, the main browser uh, where a lot of the ecosystem, the advertising ecosystem is feeding from your interactions from that web page. And it keeps it separate. Um, it does not uh, allow for cookies to be set. Um, when you're done using that incognito browser, uh, all of the cookie session cookies will uh, be lost. Um, uh, and so for those interested in that, we certainly have some information on our uh, privacy pages, um, but we recommend that's an easy one uh, for folks to use um, uh, should, should they feel the need to. Smart speaker devices like Alexa, do they pose any privacy concerns? Well, I don't, I don't have one personally. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think they do. Uh, they are collecting information broadly. Um, I think we've all heard those stories of Alexa all of a sudden speaking up. Uh, we're talking about technology that is still, I think, relatively new technology voice recognition. Uh, and so the ability for any device to listen uh, in our environments is one that concerns me. Um, now, certainly the, the privacy notice and the expectations um, and the, the sort of resources that a firm at Amazon has to protect all that information that it's collecting and storing, um, you know, would certainly be quite significant. Again, how are they using that information and for what purposes internally, um, you know, to provide, quote, unquote, a better uh, user experience, maybe across their platforms, it is a little unclear. You really have to read pages of privacy notice to understand that. So, again, I think if you're, if you're okay with that, it comes back to this individual perspective of what am I okay with and what am I not okay with. As a privacy professional, uh, I'm not okay with that. And that's probably because I've heard too many horror stories. Um. Recently, I got an email from my phone carrier telling me that they'd updated their privacy policy, wanted to let me know. There was a little link to learn more and go to their website. I'll be the first to admit I'm not always one to read more with all of the notifications that we get from these different providers. But this time I decided to look into it. And I learned that I could choose to opt out of data use for advertising and analytics from my phone carrier. I could also let them know not to sell my personal information to third parties. And I could request for them to delete any data that they already had about me. I admittedly didn't know that these options existed with my phone carrier. Are these the sort of steps that all of us should be taking as a best practice? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I mean, I, I think this is exactly where the laws and regulations are moving to, uh, to provide consumers with these types of benefits um, and have a say in how our personal information is used. I mean, we're not being paid for the collection and use of that personal information, generally speaking, and that's 
again, where a lot of these uh, laws, such as California, uh, are trying to focus the sale of data, the sale of my data, uh, the sharing of that data with a third party um, without my consent is not okay. Uh, so, yes, I, I would encourage folks to uh, take advantage of those opportunities. And unfortunately, in this country right now, where it's a bit of a patchwork quilt, there are different uh, requirements or benefits uh, or consumer rights based on what state you're living in. Um, and I think, again, I'm, I'm certainly a proponent for a federal-level bill that allows equal rights for folks. Um, but, yes, I, I think it's important that we make those decisions uh, as individuals um, and, and we, we get to choose. Um, what do you make of at-home DNA testing kits? 23andMe is a popular one. How risky do you think that is from a data privacy standpoint? Yes, there has been some horror stories uh, around this uh, this third party. Um, you know, uh, the classic one being that uh, you know somebody's information turns up on the wrong doorstep, and uh, you know, or somebody didn't know that the uh, information uh, was being collected on them, uh, which yielded uh, some surprising news on on their family uh, lineage. Um, but generally speaking, I, I think DNA uh, is, is, again, it's very personal. Uh, it's unique to every individual. And I personally would not um, care to share my DNA with a company such as 23andMe. Uh, I think it's a very interesting service, and it's not to uh, give them a bad rap here. But just from a security and protection perspective, uh, a firm like this is not going to have the defense in depth that we would have here at Raymond James, for example, where we have many, many million, millions of dollars of security budget and 24-7 personnel being practicing security in defense uh, and offensive security. Um, and, and so for those reasons, I, I don't think there are, given, given the, the data that is at stake, uh, and again, it's not just the bad guys getting in, there's operational issues that companies have with processing lots of data that can just lead to that unauthorized access or disclosure of information. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the steps that we can take as investors to help keep our financial information specifically secure. Of course, you know, we're trusting that the, the firm that we're working with has some good technology, solid security practices in place. But what steps can I take as an individual to do my part? Yes. Uh, thanks, Paige. Good question. I mean, I think, you know, for all of us, um, keeping a watchful eye on financial statements to confirm uh, the accuracy of those transactions, uh, the accuracy of the information, personal information associated with those statements. Um, also, taking, taking a proactive stance uh, with setting preferences around how you want to be communicated to, uh, how and over what channel. Uh, those are all important choices that we get to make as consumers um, regarding financial uh, companies. Um, more, more practically, uh, you know, I think just keeping an eye out for suspicious emails. You know, that that is a that is a very big focus um, uh, from from a, from, a, from a criminal perspective is uh, creating emails that look very similar to ones that you might expect from your financial advisor, your trusted partner. 
Um, do not open those emails, delete those emails immediately. Uh, if somebody really wants to get hold of you, they will. Um, looking at the website that you're going to, as simple as that sounds, uh, and particularly if it's uh, a sensitive area of the website where you may be entering personal information or asked to enter personal information, uh, there should be uh, a security protocol in the browser address, HTTPS. Um, and also when, when asked, if asked, ever asked to enter personal information um, on a site, there should be a privacy notice within short distance, uh, one click away. Again, I'd, I'd recommend folks read those privacy notices. Um, and again, where we can, enable encryption. Uh, again, uh, you know, we do that here at the firm. Everyone has the, uh, the option or the capability to use bracket, protect bracket. And that will encrypt communications uh, out uh, um, to your recipients. Um, we have a ton of sort of practical advice, uh, again, on our intranet page. And if you uh, are from the outside and you visit RaymondJames.com, uh, the privacy, the security and privacy and account protection pages also offer a number of practical uh, steps as well. If listeners are interested in knowing what their financial firms are collecting, how their data is being used, what resources do you recommend? Yes, good question. We, we do have uh, on those same pages, uh, we do have information uh, that explains um, our approach to privacy um, and, and generally our collection and processing activities. Um, I think as a financial services firm, um, we are um, already heavily regulated and have been for many, many years. Um, so there is a, um, I, think, I think a lot of, uh, has been traditionally a lot of focus in making sure that we are uh, transparent and provide the right notice, uh, seek the right level of consent um, you know, around what we do with one's data. Um, but that said, there are you know, mechanisms to contact uh, the firm's privacy office directly uh, and, and also to con connect with our client services group as well on these matters. So uh, if, if, if folks have questions that aren't satisfied by the websites, there's ways to connect with us as well. Rob, we really appreciate your perspective on this topic today. I've got one last question for you. If listeners were to walk away from this episode with one takeaway related to data privacy, what should it be? Well, I would say, and it's tough, just one thing, but I would say take account of your personal information to the best of your abilities. Who's got access to it uh, and for what purpose? That's the privacy side of me speaking. On the security side, I would say really make sure you've got a strong password in place. Do not use the same password for all of your accounts. Uh, and again, visit you know, an organization such as staysafeonline.org um, and, and have a read up uh, on, on those practical tips. So more than just one thing. Sorry, Paige. That's a-okay. We're so appreciative. Thank you again, Raymond James Chief Privacy Officer, Rob Patchett. Thanks for your insights today. Thanks, Paige. It's been great to be here. Thanks for your time. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You can find more on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So be sure to subscribe to catch all our latest episodes. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time.
All opinions and information, including any price references or market forecasts, correspond to the recording date listed in this episode's description. Any performance figures noted do not include fees or charges, which would reduce an investor's returns. The information contained in this podcast is not research, nor does it constitute the provision of any investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or recommendations to the listener. Raymond James and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and you should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance is not an indication of future results. There is no assurance any investment strategy will be successful. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or a loss. Investment products are not deposits, not FDIC and CUA insured, not insured by any government agency, not bank guaranteed, subject to risk and may lose value. Copyright 2020 Raymond James and Associates Inc. Member New York Stock Exchange, SIPC. Copyright 2020 Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC.